Hi folks, this is Michael, and welcome to the Blood Walk. And uh, before I go too much farther with uh, with this final testimony, man, it's not the final one, but with the final testimony, before I go too much farther, I want to talk a little bit about uh, spiritual warfare and uh, and what it really is, all right? And, uh, you know, and for you Christians, unfortunately, I want to tear Ephesians 6 a new one. I really am, because it's... It's a facade. It's a fantasy. Uh, it's the emperor's new clothes. And yet it is the Christian's all-time favorite expression when they're getting ready to enter into what they think is spiritual warfare. Oh, got to put on the whole armor of God, and it's like, people, I'll tell you what, this is not the armor of God. This is the armor of Saul. And you understand, you know, you want to you understand how effective the armor of Saul is. We'll go dad back and look at David. See what he had to say about the armor of Saul. Before he went out to meet Goliath, Saul tried to give him his armor, and David couldn't wear it. Too big, too clanky, too cumbersome. Couldn't fight inside that armor. All right? David didn't wear it. What did David wear, man? Pretty much a loincloth. David went naked into the battle dang near people, and the only thing he had was five smooth stones in his sling, but he was not wearing the armor of Saul, and he effected one of the greatest victories in the history of mankind. You know, David and Goliath, you know. But David was not wearing the armor of Saul. Didn't need it. But I'd like to give you a little bit of perspective, and uh, I, I think all of you are entirely familiar with Ephesians 6 right entirely familiar but here's the problem with Ephesians 6 everything that you see there focuses you upon what's going on outside of you right everybody wants to go after you know uh, powers and principalities and this that and the other thing right well let me tell you something folks those are external those are external things uh, for example even today right um Folks want to tear down principalities over New York City. They want to tear down principalities over uh, Washington, D.C. or L.A. or Dallas, New York. I mean, you got you guys know that's where they focus on tearing down principalities at. But here's the problem with that, people, is that the battle is within you. The kingdom of heaven is within you, and the battle is for the kingdom of heaven. It's not for planet Earth at this time. It's for the kingdom of heaven, and you cannot get to the kingdom of heaven through fighting external powers. It's the ones on the inside that you have to conquer. Let me point out to you another battle that was fought. Another battle that was fought where the armor of Saul is absolutely not present. And that's the cross. That is the cross, people. Yahshua effected when he went to the cross the greatest victory in the history of heaven and earth. And yet he was not wearing <coughs> Saul's armor. He went dang near naked to the battle, people. Dang near naked to the battle. He carried no sword. He carried no shield. He carried no spear. He was barefoot. The helmet on his head was a crown of thorns. Right? The helmet on Yahshua's head was a crown of thorns. Are you willing to wear that helmet, Christian? A crown of thorns? Because I'll tell you what, you know, there ain't a one of you out there that could ever deny that Yahshua effected the greatest victory in the history of heaven and earth. Not a one of you. And yet he did not wear the armor of Saul. He was not dressed up in Paul's armor of God. 
which, like I say, is the emperor's new clothes. It's a fantasy. How in the world are you going to put on the helmet of salvation when you don't even have salvation? You can't put on what you don't have, people. You don't put on the Messiah like a suit of clothes. He's either within or he ain't, period. You don't put them on daily. You don't pick up the cross daily. Once you pick it up, you never put it down. You don't put it down when you go to sleep at night. It's with you in the evening and it's with you in the morning. It's with you in the noontime and it's with you at midnight. You never put it down. Is that pure, white, shimmering. Oh, my gosh. You know, and, and I've said this before. That do you realize that Yahshua, that the blood of the Lamb actually transfigured the cross, right? You hear about folks making their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. Well, let me tell you something. Yahshua made that cross white in the blood of the Lamb. All right. So anyway, here's another one. What about Deborah and Barak? I don't know if you've ever read the, the song of Deborah, but yeah, you ought to. You really ought to. One of the... Uh, one of the verses in the Song of Deborah goes like this. There was neither shield nor spear seen amongst 40,000 in Israel. And at that time, is in the book of Judges, and this precedes the story of Gideon and his 300. And this is Deborah and Barak. And, uh, and Jabin was the king of the Canaanites, and Sisera was his commanding general. And Sisera had, uh, he had a division of nine hundred chariots of iron and I don't know if you guys have ever seen uh, the movie Gladiator but if you haven't maybe you ought to because you can see just what kind of damage a chariot would do to a human being what it'll do to a man cut you in half on the wheel hubs of these chariots they had like two to three foot uh, razor sharp swords protruding out of the wheel hubs and these things would spin man they would spin like a buzzsaw and when these things came up against human flesh, then when these things came up against men, they would cut them in half. You'd have your legs on one side and your torso on the other side, and you'd just a quiver in massive agony laying there on the ground waiting to die. That's how horrible these things were and how terrifying they were. All right, not a shield nor spear seen amongst 40,000 in Israel. And it's like, here we go, people. Israel lost their Second Amendment. They really did, man. They lost the right to keep and bear arms. They got conquered by the Canaanites because they broke the covenant. They broke the covenant. They sinned. You know, they, 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 they went astray. And they got sold into the hands of the Canaanites that they should have destroyed back in the days of Joshua, but it didn't happen. Right? There was still some left, and they gathered together, and they formed a huge, massive army. Right? They totally disarmed Israel. You couldn't even walk the streets, right, without getting beat up by Canaanite soldiers. Right, kind of the same as it is today if anybody ever tries to walk down, uh, you know, the street in Portland with a, uh, you know, with a MAGA hat on. Man, that'd kill you dead and celebrate your death and laugh and jeer and, and, and you know, and, and, and cheer the fact that they just took out an American and they just love to do it in Portland, Oregon. You know, the, the People's Republic of Oregon. It's a travesty and an abomination what's going on in that state. Anyway... I didn't mean to get off on that track. It's just that I live in Washington, you know, so we're kind of familiar with about the stuff that takes place in Oregon. So anyway, so God calls Deborah and Barak to go up to Mount Tabor, and they sent out a call to Israel, you know, come join us on Mount Tabor. Well, I tell you what, by and large, it was only Zebulun and Naphtali that heard the call. Uh, and Deborah and Barak went up on Mount Tabor with 10,000 men, 
Now, it wasn't just, I mean, the Canaanites had more than 900 chariots of iron. And if you go back and you read the book of Josephus, you're going to find out just what kind of mechanized monster this was. They not only had 900 chariots of iron, people, but they had 27,000 cavalry. 27,000. And on top of that, they had 250,000 footmen, soldiers, right? Armed to the teeth. And all you have is Deborah and Barak and 10,000 men from Naphtali and Zebulon. Pretty much bare butt naked going to the battle. They didn't have swords. They didn't have shields. They didn't have squawks. That maybe, maybe slings. That's about it. But let me tell you something about the importance of this place called Mount Tabor. If you ever go through and you look up what this means, it means broken. They're in a high place of brokenness. Of brokenness. This is the picture that you're going to see in the spirit. Tabor is brokenness right and that takes place within you you want to fight and, and i tell you what uh you talk to jewish folks about uh deborah and barack and that battle that took place there right and to them that was armageddon and when you go through and you read the song of deborah you're going to see the same thing man this took place on the plains of megiddo right armageddon Anyway, if you read the story, you're going to find out that God himself, man, obviously, came down and fought with Israel. But I'm going to tell you something very important here, right? This was a word that went out throughout the nation to come, to come to Mount Tabor to fight there. But the people were too scared. They didn't want to go. They knew they were going to get cut in half, right? Uh, so much for their shields of faith, right? They didn't want to go. And they were cursed. There was a there was a village uh, called Miraz, and... Uh, and in the song, it says, curse the people of Miraz, curse them bitterly, because when God called them to come to the fight, they didn't come. They stayed back at their homes and tried to stay, you know, warm and comfy. They didn't go to the battle, and that village was cursed by God himself for avoiding the fight. All right? But back to this high place, this is a, I mean, this is what, can you imagine that, people? This is a battle of Armageddon, right? And Israel is unarmed, basically. But what happens? They're in the high place of brokenness, and this busted open the windows of heaven like nobody's business. The angels of God came down and fought, and God sent this massive storm right right into the face of the Canaanites. It was rain and hail, and and uh, and their chariots got bogged down in the mud, and they you know, and the horses got bogged down in the mud, and the soldiers got bogged down in the mud. Okay, and so the slingers. Right, uh, you know, Barack and his army, they just went through and they chewed the snot out of these guys. They beat the crap out of them, right? These guys were stuck. They couldn't move and they just went through and it was a slaughterhouse for Israel. Man, 10,000 against, man, almost 300,000 Canaanites. 10,000 guys, man, it's 30 to 1. And they opened a can of whoop-ass, right? And this is what proceeded. You know, Gideon and his 300 was the battle. It, it essentially, in the Old Covenant, this was the battle of Armageddon, all right? There's a little picture of a war that took place where, where the, the warriors went into battle dang near naked, dang near naked as a jaybird. Let me just uh, throw a question out here real quick to uh, anybody who's listening. If your shield of faith 
is based upon a lie. How effective is your shield? How effective is it? Right? Because I want to tell you something. Uh, when Yahshua said, when the son of Adam returns, will he find faith? Right? And, uh, and everyone thinks today, well, yeah, yeah, I have faith. I have faith. Yes, he's going to find faith when he returns. And it's like, really? Do you really think so? Do you really think what y'all have in Christianity is the faith? No, it's not. Let me tell you what the, the Holy Spirit definition of faith is a conviction of truth. It is conviction of truth. And let me tell you again, people, the truth is the Torah. And the Torah is the truth. And Yahshua is a living, breathing, walking, talking manifestation of the Torah of the living God. And he is also the testimony of the living God. This is Yahshua. He represents the Torah and the testimony. All right? Both. Both. And yet, where is the faith? Where is the faith, people? The faith happens when you pick up the cross. That's when the faith really begins because the faith, people, takes you to the tree of life. Takes you to the tree of life. Are you hearing me? It's going to take you to Gethsemane. It's going to take you to the Sanhedrin. It's going to take you to the whipping post. It's going to place a crown of thorns upon your head. It is going to do everything that they did to Yahshua, including crucifying him. That is the faith. That's the faith, people. It's the faith that carries you, that catapults you into the kingdom of heaven. So how could anybody possibly say who was a Christian that, that they have a shield of faith? How can they? Your faith is based upon a lie. Your faith is based upon the doctrines of Paul, which is a lie. You know I mean? It, take, take a look at something just so maybe innocuous as this little phrase. All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. You want to hear about the gross and bitter hypocrisy of that statement amongst Christianity. You see, in Christianity and in Paul, all things are lawful except the Torah. All things are lawful except the commandments of God. All things are lawful except following strictly the words of Yeshua, the Messiah, the Lamb of God. All things are lawful except this, right? All things are lawful except Yeshua. What a crock, what a travesty. I mean, pardon my language again, people, but it is so full of bullshit. Man, it ought to piss you off something fierce when you when God finally removes the blinders from your eyes and you begin to see these things, right? Uh, favorite quote of Christians, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Well, guess what? That's quoted out of context, totally out of context. Yahshua said, if you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. All right? Didn't say if you continue in the words of Paul. If you continue in my word, right? This is where the freedom is. And guess what? Guess what, folks? Every single battle you fight is going to get you freedom. That's why you fight it, because you're oppressed by something. Something is slowing you down. Something's holding you back. You got an enemy in front of you. Well, guess what? It is the truth. It is the Torah. It is the words. It is abiding and doing the words of Yahshua that set you free. It's not wearing some armor. It's doing his word. 
Wisdom is the only armor you need. And let me tell you what the armor of God really is. It is robes of righteousness. It is robes of righteousness, people, those shimmering white robes. Of, that's your armor. It's not that crap you find in Ephesians 6. I'm sorry that I called it that. But that stuff doesn't work, people. Uh, you can take a look. And you, uh, again, you go back and you can read Ephesians 6. You know, if I, I think there's four things that he names there, you know, powers, principalities, hosts of spiritual wickedness in the high places. And I can't remember the fourth one. However, however. You want to find out how to fight those things and fight them effectively? Right? Go back into Psalm 149 and read towards the tail end. Or with the high praises of God in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hand. You know, they are gonna uh what they're gonna bind up the kings, they're gonna bind up the nobles, they're gonna conquer the peoples, they are gonna execute the judgments written upon them. Right? So how do you how do you affect the victory in the battle? It is through the high praises of God, and I, I'll tell you what, man, I'll tell you a story, and uh, this happened in Teen Challenge a long, 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 long time ago, and uh, like, like I say, I was a worship leader there, and this, uh, this one night, you know, uh, the counselors would get us together, and we'd play games, right, and this one night, we were playing this game called Bible Baseball, and so, uh, you know, uh, we were split into two teams, I was on one team, and, you know, other guys were on the other team, anyway, I kind of had a... a, a I kind of had a big mouth, right? And, uh, and, and it's, it's like when you got an answer, it's like you're going, ah, 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 you know, and you want to give the answer out. Well, sometimes I'd blurt it out and it wasn't my turn, right? And, and, and I caused this problem. I really did, right? All the guys got all, they got all angry at me, you know, and rightfully so. Anyway, so the counselor had to stop the game. And uh, tempers were flying and tempers were hot, right? And so, uh, anyway. Uh, so, uh, so, so we had in this baseball game. So, you know, me and my friends, we went back upstairs and I was in uh, what was called second phase at this time. And we each got our own rooms, you know, there'd be like three or four of us in a room. And so anyway, so I grabbed my guitar and, uh, and my friend John and I sat down and we just said, uh, you know, I think we, uh, I think we need to start singing a little bit here, man. It's, uh, things are pretty thick downstairs. So Johnny and I began, uh, just began singing and, uh, and, the next thing you know, you know, a couple more guys from second phase, they joined in and then more and more and more and more. So we had about, uh, you know, nine, ten guys from second phase, and we were all singing and praising God. And we thought, hey, you know, and, and the Spirit of God was beginning to move. So we just kind of took this downstairs to first phase, and we went into the, uh, you know, basically, you know, their the, the dormitory. They were all in bunks there. And so we began singing in there, too, and we began praising God there, too, right? And all of a sudden, these guys joined in. Next thing you know, man, we're all spilling out of the dormitory and we're going into the chapel. And all of a sudden, folks, I'm not kidding you, it was like a volcano opened. We began praising and praising and praising. And not everybody could join into this. Not everybody could enter into that volcano. But there was about seven of us that did. And it was the most extraordinary thing I'd ever been involved in in my life at that time. I'm not kidding you. It is like a fountain, like a volcano. It was just exploding a volcano of high praise, and you just kind of catapulted into a, a magnificent place. And so, unfortunately, what happened? And it, this was, uh, it was getting a little later on into the evening. It was approaching 10 o'clock, and they had a rule, lights out at 10. So this poor counselor, this new guy, you know, he thinks, well, i got to be, you know, strict with these rules. And he sees, he sees this man, we're in this, we're in this fountain of high praise, and he comes in and flicks the lights, you know, several times and says, I'm breaking this up, guys. Sorry, you got to you gotta, gotta, gotta turn the lights out. 
No kidding, dude. Turn the lights out. All right, so he did. He turned the lights out and he broke up this uh, he broke this thing up and, and everybody had to go upstairs and we wanted to carry it on in our prayer room upstairs, but they came in and shut it down there too. Man, you want to talk about some insane legalism. It's like, oh my gosh, man. Do you understand what you just put your hand to? You know, but anyway, after this thing, I had uh, I, I had another vision, and I saw, and this was in San Francisco. It's in San Francisco, Sin City, right? And uh, and it was like God showed me this vision, and there was this massive, 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 uh, like a portal of light that opened up all throughout the Bay Area, and I could see on the edge of this. It was like a ring. It's like on the edge of this ring were just angels with that number, just you know, a gajillion angels. And they were just all sitting there and they were observing, right? But I tell you what, you enter into a place like that and it is the most nuclear explosion of light you could ever enter into in your entire life. That is the power of God unleashed on the spirit of darkness, right? On the spirit of darkness. And that is the high praises of God, people. That is one of the most effective weapons you could ever have, especially when you're in a dark place. You know, because when you enter into the praises of God, I tell you, you become an explosion of divine light. You become an explosion, people. Oh, God is powerful. Oh, it is so powerful. You know, you can go into... um uh, uh, you can go to Psalm 22, right? I think uh, most of you are familiar with this too. God is enthroned upon the praises of Israel. You go through, just do a little study on that, man. Enthroned, man, the throne of judgment. The throne of judgment. The ju- <laughs> you know, the throne of God. Enthroned upon the praises of Israel. And let me tell you, in reality, people, Israel represents the Torah and the testimony in the earth, right? And God is enthroned upon the praises of this people, this people, the people that have the Torah and the testimony. And <laughs> consider this, right? You want to bring the judgment of God on the scene? You want to bring his judgments on the scene? I tell you what, you enter into the high praises of God and he is enthroned upon those praises. He is enthroned on those praises and judgment comes upon the wicked. When you enter into the high praises of God, judgment comes on the wicked. When you do this, when you do this, right? I mean, think about it. What would you rather have? What would you rather have, man? Saul's armor, which is, you know, whoop-de-flippin'-do. You know, every, every battle that Christianity ever won was so temporary, it lasted maybe a year or two, and then poof, it was gone. Okay, so what about uh, what about this little park called, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Breastplate of Righteousness? The Breastplate of Righteousness. I'm going to tell you something, people. Righteousness is not something that you put on like a suit of clothes. It just isn't. You know, go back and read First John. Little children, be not deceived. He who does righteousness is righteous, all right? What does God call righteousness? Doing his commandments, being faithful to do them as he spoke them, not as Saul gave you permission to kick the Sabbath out of your life and keep it on any dang day you want to. No, the Sabbath is on the seventh day. 
It's on the seventh day. You want to enter into the righteousness of God, people, do his commandments. You want to enter into the righteousness of God, learn what his Torah is. Learn what it is, people. It is not blood sacrifice. You want to see the Torah of God, you behold the Son. You behold the Son of God. You want to see his righteousness, you behold him. All right? So that breastplate of righteousness is nothing but an empty facade, right? Uh, in no way you can walk around and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And it's like, oh, come on, people, quit lying to yourselves. No, you're not. No, you're not. How could you possibly be the righteousness of God when you denounce his commandments as legalism? When you kick his Torah, his instructions out of your life, ain't no way you got anything even remotely resembling righteousness. No way. You know, and, and it's kind of like until y'all begin to learn to allow God, until you begin to learn to allow the Holy Spirit to define things for you, to teach you, to lead you, and to guide you into all truth and understanding, you're going to be stuck in the mud. You're going to be stuck in the mud like an army of Canaanites. You really are. You're stuck in the mud, and you're going to get slaughtered. You know, and again, here you go. Uh, you're supposed to have uh, your loins girt about with truth. Well, let me ask you something, folks. How the heck can you have your loins girt about with truth when you're walking in a lie? How can you have your loins girt about with truth if you're following after the, the, the teachings and the doctrines of Saul of Tarsus, who denied the Son of God, who denied the Word of God, who trashed his Torah, trashed his commandments? You know, you're going to have to start getting real someday, folks. You're going to have to cry out with all your heart for truth truth, truth. Oh, God, give me truth in the inward parts. I've got to know truth, oh, God. And he will give it to you if you are sincerely seeking him and you really want to know and you're willing to come into a place of neutral. If you're willing to come into that place where you don't know diddly squat, right, where you give up all that you know and all you think you know, you've given up all that you've learned and all you think you've learned and you cry out for the word of truth and he will give it to you. He really will, but you have to receive it from the Holy Spirit, not from a man, not from a church, not from a religion, not from an apostate. You learn the word of truth from God himself, all right? Again, until you are willing to pick up that cross and follow him, man, he ain't got nothing resembling truth in you because that's where the truth of God is written in your heart and embedded into your mind is when you pick up the cross and you follow him. Okay, now I'm not going to go too much farther with this. I think I think I've covered enough, but I hope that I, well, I hope this is enough to at least cause you to begin questioning some of the things that you do, right? And to begin looking at some of these things that are the most effective weapons that you can have when you are going into a war, when you're going into a battle, and uh, you're not fighting stuff on the outside, people. You're fighting stuff on the inside. All right, when you when you Enter into the high praises. I'll tell you what, you're going to blast the darkness something fierce. You really, really are. When you enter into the high praises of God or when you ascend in the spirit to that high place called brokenness, you know, and, and brokenness is like a nuke. It really is. It is like the most awesome nuke you could ever file, fire off is when you enter into the brokenness, Right? the brokenness before God, the weeping before his throne, right? The brokenness. And the brokenness, people, comes 
with the fear of God. You end up with a broken and a contrite spirit, and you will end up weeping before his throne, and this is so powerful. Oh, people, oh, children, it is so powerful. I mean, uh, again, you go back and you examine that battle on Mount Tabor, and when you understand they had ascended to the high place of brokenness, and I, and I know I might be sounding uh, you know, uh, 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 redundant here, and I don't mean to, but it is just that, oh my gosh, people, oh my gosh, two things here, man, the high praises of God and the brokenness of God, and these are the two most powerful things you could ever enter into, right? Now, I'm going to tell you just another brief story here before I uh, before I cut this off, and it's just something that's been occurring over the past, you know, a few weeks, and so there are some uh, Christian prophets that uh, that I like to listen to, and uh, I tend to think they got a pretty good track record. However, I'm going to tell you something here about uh, about prophets and, and, and prophecy. It's not enough. It's not enough to prophesy a thing and it comes to pass. That is not enough. It's not enough to cast out devils in the name of Yahshua. It's not enough. It's not enough to do signs and wonders in the name of Yahshua. It just is not enough. Let me tell you what is enough, people, to do his Torah. No man in his right mind, no woman in their right mind is ever looking forward to hearing the day that he has to say to you, depart from me, you who forsook the Torah. I do not know you, right? Let me tell you what is enough, doing the Torah. Because when you do the Torah, people, it is going to put the cross into your life up front and center, up front and personal, okay? That's what it's going to do. That's what it's going to do. So as I was saying, there's a, there's a few Christian prophets out there that, uh, that I enjoy listening to. And, uh, and a couple of them, right, when they, uh, when they begin to, to, to pray or whatnot, they got this whole set of um, like, like, like little prayers that they do, right? And they just kind of, you know, I bind up this, I bind up that, I lose this, I do this, I do that. Right, and they got this whole, it, it's almost like a ritual that, that, that they go through, you know, before they sit down to do something. And, you know, I'm looking at this, I'm going, okay, I, I, I'll, I'll honor that, I'll honor that. Um, but there was something about it that just was not sitting right. And so, you know, I asked my wife about that, because we were both sitting back and, you know, watching the same YouTube video, right? And, uh, and my wife said, well, you know, Michael, uh, for that person, maybe it's necessary for them to do that. And I thought, well, um, okay, all right. Yeah, I can, I, I can see how for that one it, it might be necessary. And so, and so there's just a little part of the story here. Well, about an hour later, my wife had gone to bed, and I'm, I'm sitting up, and I'm still having a prayer time, right? And the Holy Spirit shows me something. And he said, he said, uh, you know, Teresa was right. It is necessary for those people to do that because they cannot abide under the shadow of my wings. They can't get there, son, not without the commandments. The only way you can abide under the shadow of his wings, you know, Psalm 91, the only way you can do that, people, is to, is to do his commandments. Do you know that the wings, you know, abide under the shadow of his wings? Wings represent the commandments of God. How in the world can you abide under the shadow of his wings if you do not do his commandments? I mean, uh, again, you kick the Sabbath out of your life. You kick the seventh day out of your life. And no, you are not keeping his commandments. No, you're not. You're lying to yourself. You know, you're lying to yourself. You're deceiving yourself. If you think that you can keep the Sabbath any old day you want to. 
That's not obeying the word that came forth out of the mouth of God. That is not living by every word that proceeds out of his mouth. That's living by the words of Paul. That's living by the words of Rome. That's living by the words of a lie. Okay? You can't do it. So this was just kind of an interesting thing that, uh, that the Holy Spirit had showed me a couple of nights ago. Right? And the reason why folks have to have a whole bunch of little ritualistic prayers is because they can't get to his shadow. Right? That's tragic. That's totally tragic. Right? But uh, that's kind of the way things are. And I do believe that some of these Christian prophets out there, hopefully they will be able to come into the full-blown knowledge of the truth. Hopefully the day is coming, and hopefully it is very soon when they will. I really, really hope they do, because, you know, I look upon these folks, and these are good people. You know, yeah, they, they, they bought into Paul. They bought into a lie. You know, it's just kind of the way things are today, right? But that doesn't mean they're evil that mean they're evil they're good people and man i tell you what i do not want to see good people take the kind of fall that is that is looking and looming in front of them if they do not return if they do not shub if they do not return to the father if they do not return to his word if they do not return to yahshua their first love he's supposed to be your first love people why in the world are you following after an apostate you know, why? You've got the Son of God. You've got the Lamb of God. Why would you ever want to go any other place, right? He's the one that has the words of eternal life. He does. He does. And that's what the battle is over, people. Eternal life. The covenant, the new covenant. The covenant that is going to generate Emmanuel. That's what happens when you have the covenant, people. God with us. And until you have the covenant, he can't be with you to the degree that he desires to be with you. He cannot fill you to the extent that he desires to fill you until you return unto him, unto his word. Right? Unto his word. Anyway, I'm going to leave this off at that. And, uh, man, I hope I've given you an earful today. And, uh, and I'll be talking to you in a little in a, in a couple of days. And this is Michael. This has been the Blood Walk, and I'll see you later. Bye bye.